When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Investors like you have a problem. Today, most portfolios only include stocks and bonds. While it's currently performing, it's a strategy that Goldman Sachs predicted in 2023 to underperform for the next decade. Luckily, our sponsor, Masterworks Advisors, focuses on a non-traditional alternative asset, helping over 15,000 investors diversify a portion of their overall portfolios with blue-chip post-war contemporary art. Over 60% of wealth managers surveyed by Deloitte have already integrated art into their wealth management offering. And by signing up at masterworks.com slash advisors with code free, you can talk to a registered investment advisor representative who deals exclusively with this alternative asset class. So schedule a free same-day advisory call with Masterworks Advisors just by going to masterworks.com slash advisors and using promo code free. That's masterworks.com slash advisors promo code free. This advertisement relates to the provision of advisory services by Masterworks Advisors, LLC, and is not intended to offer or solicit investment in any securities and is not investment advice. Masterworks Advisors is affiliated with Masterworks. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Vikings primetime postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears beat the Minnesota Vikings 25-20, improved to 7-3 and on the year, and of course, they increased their divisional lead. The Bears have won, uh, you know, they've lost six of the last seven meetings against the Vikings, one tonight, and it's the first time I heard on the broadcast right before we went live, the Bears winning back-to-back divisional games. In six years. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. I'm Russell Woodwit. Now help me break down this game. I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me. Actually, that's three. I should update my notes once in a while. We haven't had Will Ingles on in quite some time. So I'm joined by three of my Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and like I just mentioned, Will Ingles. Guys, I want to summarize this game in one word because that is becoming one of my new favorite segments of the show. So Nick, I'll let you begin. <laughs> it's stressful, I think, is the, the right way to describe this game. Um, 20 and 25, it came down to, you know, the closing minutes of that game, but it was stressful. Uh, it can also be exciting, but I'll, I'll have to go with stressful. It's the one word. Yeah, I've been feeling some stress as well throughout the last 60 minutes of football. What about you, B? 
I wouldn't say fun for two weeks in a row because it was fun. It was stressful. My palms were sweating. Uh, I just couldn't really sit still. My foot kept tapping throughout the whole game, but it, it was fun. It was a fun stress, fun, fun nervousness. So uh, I'm going to go fun for two weeks in a row. All right. What about you, Will? I'd probably say exhilarating. There's uh, I, there's kind of this pit that ends up in like your chest or your stomach, and sometimes that's because you're having fun and it's exciting. Sometimes it's because you're anxious. But at the end of the day, like the, this feeling you get in primetime football, it's something we haven't had in a long time, and I'd probably say I summarize that as exhilarating. Absolutely. we haven't. I've, I had that same feeling as well, and I haven't felt that in quite some time, and I think it's the stakes that were kind of you know up for grabs today between this game. We haven't had that in quite some time, any meaningful games in November, and to have one and to be on the you know victorious side of it, of course, is a great feeling indeed. But let's go ahead and jump right into our opening drive in the first quarter of our show. And let's go ahead and begin with this week's monster moment. And my monster moment this week is going to be Eddie Jackson's pick six because it was right after that Trubisky near pick six. It was an eight-point game. All the momentum was in the Vikings' favor. But that pick six in the fourth quarter from Eddie Jackson changed that, changed the entire landscape of this game. So for me, that big-time play on defense, when we needed it most, is going to be my monster moment for this Week 11 matchup. What about you, B? What's going to be your stat of the game? Stat of the game is going to fall in the rushing yards category when the Bears had 148 in this game because uh, I think we all counted out the running game in this one. Will, I know you took them in the previous show. You know, Vikings run D is having the having the edge in this one, uh, and they got it established early in a variety of ways: the sweeps, the misdirections, things of that nature, and that's really what led to the Bears having almost twice as much uh, time with the ball in the first half. Uh, Jordan Howard had 63 yards rushing for the game. Mitch had 43, Cohen had 27, and Gabriel had 17. So it wasn't just one guy getting established. It was really a community effort getting the run game established. And if this is the way to do it throughout the remainder of the season, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was a very creative approach indeed. And we'll talk about that here in the second quarter of our show. And Nick, over to you. Are you going to give us a knack or a knack? I have to give it a knack, and I have to give it to Cody Parkey. The way he was able to rebound after hitting the field goal post four times last week and then come on primetime against your division rival hit a 48-yard field goal. That, by no means for any field goal kicker, is easy to make. But he drilled it right through the uprights, right down the middle. Did you see the little target sign that was in the middle there? You know, all Bears fans just hoping, wanting him to get back and be able to make these field goals, and he did, and he made all three of them today. So Cody Parkey, comeback game, huge game for him, and it helped Bears the Bears get the victory. Yes, you guys were worried. Oh yeah, definitely oh, yeah. worried. I mean, even even when he was kicking the the shorter field goals, I wasn't you know very confident. But I'm glad that Matt Nagy had confidence in him. They took that timeout before, and then they go out. He kicks a 48 yarder, and you know goes right through the uprights. It's great to see that from Cody Park because we're going to need him moving forward. Indeed, if we are going to be a team that is wanting to make a serious run here in the playoffs, we need a field goal kicker that we can rely on. And today, uh, that comeback game, that redemption game from Cody Parkey uh, will go a long way. Did you guys see that little wink from Coach Nagy right before he went out there to kick that? I love that. I love that. All right, Will, over to you. I want you to give us the lowdown. Uh, What's the specific reason why the Bears won this game? They dominated the game in two phases of the three. Special teams and defense were absolutely dominated by the Chicago Bears in this game. Offenses will break it uh, break down in the second segment of our show. Uh, has a little bit of work to do, but they absolutely dominated on defense and special teams. We just mentioned Cody Parkey was lights out today after a really rough game against Detroit. 
The return game was decent. Cohen had one good punt return. And, of course, to end the game, hands team at uh, Augustana, we called that All-State because we're in good hands and we're going to end the we're going to end the game in our hands. So, and they accomplished that. That wasn't an easy play by Benny Cunningham. That's that's a moment where kind of all your nerves tense up, and especially for Cunningham, who didn't play a lot of snaps today. That's a time where sometimes you can get passive. And uh, as Chris Collins was saying, he had to attack that like a shortstop and end the game the right way. Headaches, as he mentioned as well. So domination in two phases of the game, a lot of times will lead you to a victory, and that's exactly what it did tonight. Great stuff there, Will. So that's going to wrap up the first quarter of our postgame show. We have plenty more to get into here. But before we enter the second quarter and break down the Bears' offenses of performance, a tale of two halves, which seems to be uh, the story of the season thus far, I need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers had the SeatGeek apps on our phones and our devices, and by far is the easiest way that we've been able to purchase uh, tickets. We can be anywhere and instantly find just some seats to anything that we're looking for, from comedy to theater to any sporting event as well. And right before the show, I was looking into uh, some of these later games in the year in Chicago, uh, that Rams game, knock-knock. Um, as you saw, the crowd was rambunctious. They were rowdy tonight, and I'm sure you want to go join that um, against the Rams here in December. I know I would. Um, but if you want to go, definitely check out SeatGeek because there's still plenty of tickets available for that game. And the best part of all, if you are looking to go to that game or any other perhaps Bears game on the road or any other event, our listeners do get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm here with Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my Bears Brothers, Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, Will Ingles. And before we jump into the second quarter of the show, we actually need to take a quick step back because right here in the chat, my guy has corrected me that, hey, Will, I know you're excited that the Bears won this game and your nerves are a little bit shot and it's late, but we still have to hand out MVBs, and you're absolutely right. So, Will Ingles, over to you. Who's going to be your MVB after tonight's game? Going to take this a little bit in a different direction. I'm going to say Vic Fangio. Uh, he's definitely been come, he's come under fire a couple of times. The Patriots game especially uh, didn't feel like the game plan was quite up to snuff. He was aggressive this entire game, and he had Kirk Cousins running for his life, and he had him clearly feeling uncomfortable from snap one to the very end of the game. He called one heck of a game. He was aggressive, and he put the Bears' uh, defense in a place to succeed the entire game, and for a large part, they didn't let him down. So Vic Fangio, amazing game plan. If you ask me, probably the single biggest reason why we won the game. So MVP to him for me. All right. Fangio Fire coming out hot here for the MVP section. Let's go over to Nick. Who's going to be your MVP? I'll just take the easy one and go with Akeem Hicks. The guy dominated from start to finish. And even go back to the very first drive of the game where the Vikings look like they're about to get a, you know, a conversion on downs. But it's a third and one play. Akeem Hicks shoots through the gap, is able to make the tackle on I think it was Murray, the running back at the time, the the Vikings had to punt, but that was all game long. Akeem Hicks was just getting to the backfield, just making deep or offensive linemen look silly. It it was incredible to watch because, and I I tweeted this out earlier that Akeem Hicks, if you were to look at my notes, you would think I just copy and pasted it for every single play because like he does it again. This guy just moves people is able to get in the backfield, make these tackles. It's amazing. He's such a great player and such a dominant force. The Bears' front seven is an elite unit because Akeem Hicks is playing the way he is. Yeah, five tackles for loss from Akeem Hicks today, which was a career high for him, including a sack 
I also had a big pass deflection and on that two point conversion at the end of this game as well. So yes, definitely MVB worthy performance there. What about you, B? Who do you got? I just want to say I don't like to harp on the officiating again, and I think this is almost two weeks in a row that I'm going to do it, so I'm seriously going to quit after this one. Uh, but that uh, rough in the passer that Hicks had on the first two-point conversion try was complete bogus. Uh, but anyway, my MVP for this one is going to stick on the defensive side. It's going to be Leonard Floyd. Uh, he had five tackles for the day, two for a loss. Didn't have a sack, but just felt like so many times he was the one creating the pocket to collapse at first. He was the one chasing guys running backs down in the backfield when Cleo Mack was setting the edge. Leonard Floyd's right there to follow it up. I mean, it felt like he was just everywhere today, very under the radar as far as things that he did uh, in the stat sheet. But when I watched him specifically throughout the entirety of the game, because I really wanted to see how he'd perform uh, and with him and Cleo Mack healthy now, uh, he was just doing all the things right. And they don't always show up in the stat sheet. So Leonard Floyd had a bigger impact on this one outside of his five tackles, and that's MVP worthy. One thing that won't, you know, come on the stat sheet is that interception that Adrian Amos has. But you look who causes that pressure. It's Leonard Floyd coming oh, in, disrupting Kirk Cousins. And that's an interception. It's all those little things that Floyd's that he's been playing great the past couple of weeks now. It's great to see. Yeah, he's trending in the right direction. His plays are sending at the perfect time here as we reach the final couple months of the season. And real quickly, my MVB, I'm going to give it to Cody Parkey for that comeback game. Um, his six points today, you take him off, we lose 20 to 19. So if he hits the uprights again, if we have a you know a duplicate performance, we end up on the wrong side of this game. So for me, Cody Parkey, MVB, those six points were pivotal down the stretch. So every point matters, especially in divisional games in the black and blue division here. So for me, Cody Parkey, that bounce back game that Nick, you already kind of alluded to, uh, is a big reason why I'm going to give this one to Cody Parkey. All right, so let's kind of skip right down along here into the second quarter of the show. Quick break, right? And now we're going to go right ahead and talk about the Bears' offense. And, Nick, I want to go right to you. What's your perhaps biggest takeaway from this unit today? Uh, obviously, we saw the, the two halves of this offense. One, The first half, their Bears were able to move the, fo- the ball through the air on the ground, which is surprising. They, they had a running game going. Trubisky's able to make some people miss when plays are broken down. And then you see the second half where – at times it stalls, so it, it was a mixed bag for me. It really was, and you saw the two interceptions from Mitch Trubisky. So I think that overall, obviously, you still want to see progress being made, and at times they did, but it just seemed like in that second half it was fourteen and zero for the longest time, and the Bears couldn't really, you know, just uh, just build off of that lead. So they definitely need to work on that coming off in, in that third quarter, build off that momentum because the defense was playing great. The offense obviously scored two touchdowns, but still there's work to be done for sure. What about you, Will? Because Minnesota's defense coming into this game, they're 11th in points allowed, 5th in total yards per allowed, a very formidable foe at the, to say the very least. Um, how do you think the Bears' offense fared? Again, tail two halves, but overall. Yeah, obviously in that first half, we had a lot of efficiency on the ground and that opened things up in the passing game. But what they did in that second half, from what I saw, is they really shut down that middle of the field. They obviously, as uh, they, the NBC team alluded to at the beginning of the second half, they used that spy to kind of shut down the middle of the field, including Mitchell Trubisky's scrambling ability. So they shut down those comfortable middle of the field throws, even those few slants that they fit in there. I think of that one to Anthony Miller. I mean, they were pinpoint balls and the receivers were getting punished for uh, definitely going over the middle. But what really stood out to me is that the Bears got one-on-one matchups on the outside and Chris Collinsworth was definitely harping on this. But the Bears receivers were not winning those one-on-one matchups. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing. That's the reason you go out, you get a Taylor Gabriel, you get a, you get a Allen Robinson to win those one-on-one matchups to create separation. Not saying that throws were amazing by Mitchell Trubisky tonight on those deep shots. 
But that's what the Vikings conceded in the second half. And that's what you have to take advantage of. If you want them to get out of that uh, that harsh zone in the middle, well, you got to make them pay by uh, the, by exploiting those one-on-one matchups, and that's what they struggled in. So that's really why you saw that tale of two halves. They shut down what was working for the Bears, and they couldn't punish the Vikings on what they were willing to give up in one-on-one matchups. Absolutely. For me, I'll surprise just how much they actually used Jordan Howard today. I thought this would be a game where it's kind of going to be a no-show, but 18 carries, uh, 63 yards, you know, average of 3.5, which is, uh, for this season, one of the better numbers he's had this year. And his longest was only eight. So even though he wasn't able to bust any huge games, he was really wearing down this defense. And the offensive line did a great job, especially early on in this game, of generating a lot of push up front. And I know Brandon, Mr. Trenches over there, I'm sure that brought a smile to your face. Both sides of the ball really uh, did great uh, things in the trenches. But for me, how much he used Jordan Howard was a big surprise, and I love the creativity in the first half from the Bears' offense with all the misdirection. Uh, Mitch, even with that little sleight of hand, uh, the fake handoff, and then uh, the throw. It was really cool to see. Um, but what about you, Brandon? Do you have anything that we haven't touched on yet? I just want to see them start to be able to, to seize the game. They could have put it away in the third quarter, like Nick was saying. Uh, so just have to be able to capitalize when the momentum's there. I'm looking at uh, – this play in the third quarter, it's a third and eighth, the second interception that Trubisky threw to Allen Robinson. They just weren't on the same page. I think Trubisky was expecting to cut in, and the defender was on the inside, so Robinson couldn't really cut. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And that's why the pass was picked off. It looked like he was literally throwing to the Minnesota defender, which I don't think was the case. He was throwing to an area. Uh, But it just has to be able to to be on the same page and be able to to seize the game when the opportunity is there. And they they failed at that interception there. And that's kind of what led this game to kind of drag on a little bit as far as, you know, when can they seal this one? So that's something they just have to continue to work on. The the first half is obviously perfect. I don't want to say perfect, but the aggressiveness is there uh, to be able to put teams away early. They just have to be able to finish in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to just, you know, address the elephant in the room here. And Nick, I want to go to you because you wrote the article about this uh, yesterday, actually, about the Bears needing to find a way to close out some games. And another example where they weren't able to do it today. Uh, how worried are you starting to get about the Bears inability to do this? Because say you have a lead here in a few weeks against the Rams at home late in the game, the Bears often stalls and you put the hand, the ball right back in the hand of the Rams. That's a scary situation, even with our defense. So how worried are you starting to get about this? You know, it it does concern me because in this game, we had something that we didn't have all season was a running game. Jordan Howard is able to effectively run the football. So that makes as a defense, you don't know exactly what's going to, you know, come at you on this drive. And the, the Bears got the ball. Um, that second to last possession with four minutes, 45 seconds left. The Vikings did have all three of their timeouts and obviously a two minute warning, but you just saw this happen on Thursday night football, Seahawks, Green Bay Packers, Seahawks are, you know, drive, uh, drive the ball down the, the Packers throats. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get back on the field. Seahawks win. Don't even have to worry about the offense coming down the field. The bears were only able to get it down to two minutes, 48 seconds. Um, when the, Vikings called their their second time out of the game. So then that's all that time uh, the Vikings get that the ball back, get a touchdown. Then you have the only reason they got the victory formation this time is because of an onside kick, right? So it is a little concerning that now still the Bears are not able to close it out offensively. But again, 
This is their first year in the offense. They're still learning. And again, in the second half, things weren't going their way, really. It wasn't going that their way for Mitch Trubisky, for Matt Nagy. So it's, it's concerning, but I think they can work. They're still obviously going to work on it. But again, they still need to find a way to finish because this could have all been avoided had they just get a couple more first downs and run out that clock. Exactly. So it's definitely... Um, it's still an issue, something we need to keep tabs on throughout the remainder of the season as we kind of you know truck on along here through November, which I think usually in the past few years of this podcast, at this point of the season, like how many weeks is until until it's over? And now, <laughs> and now it's like, wow, I can't believe it's already uh, we're heading into week twelve and we're sitting here at seven and three. It's really crazy. Uh, one more big takeaway for me on offense, and it's going to be their efficiency on third down because you see it's six to twelve, which is fifty percent, um, which is a very strong number going up against the Minnesota Vikings defense, which um is one of the better defenses on third down. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I know it's under like. 30% of third down conversions they've allowed so far and like at least over the last three games. And uh, for the Bears to come away with 50% is, of course, a great number and a big reason why they're able to extend some of these drives. Um, on top of that, though, they were able to stay ahead of schedule. And I talked about this on the preview show where the Vikings forced teams to, on average on third down uh, for 8.6 yards to go. And there weren't many instances where the Bears had third or eight or more. I think there's like three or four, but the majority were shorter than that. So for the Bears to stay ahead of schedule, um, which probably a big reason why they stuck to the running game as much as they did today, um, was a big reason why, at least early on, the Bears were able to find success on third down. Any final thoughts in terms of the offense in the big picture before we break down these positions, guys? You know, I thought it was kind of interesting that the wide receivers got so many handoffs on jet sweeps early on. Matt Nagy was really, whoever wanted the ball, he was sending them in motion. They were getting it. So that was a little interesting for me because just watching the tape, it seemed like with how these Vikings defense played, they're just such a fast unit that getting to the edge wasn't really going to be a way you can beat this defense. And you saw some times where Taylor Gabriel was able to pull off some big gains, but at times where their wide receivers getting tackled in the backfield. So I thought that was kind of interesting that the bears, you know, kept on going with that, even though at times it wasn't working. Yeah. They really kind of stuck with that more than I thought they would. Usually it's something we see once or twice and then they kind of fake it for the rest of the game, but they actually really kind of stuck with it. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into the positional specifics here. And Brandon, I want to go to you first. How would you assess Trubisky's day? Two interceptions. I uh, had the touchdown as well. Um, up and down, um, but overall? Definitely up and down. I would say a little less than average, just the two interceptions. And I don't think the second one was really his fault, like I alluded to earlier. I think it was just a miscommunication. Uh, Trubisky not really realizing that Robinson's defender was on the inside, so he couldn't really cut inside effectively like he wanted. Uh, but Overall, I mean, the beginning of the game, again, the, he follows the trend of the offense. He's aggressive early on, looks really sharp. Uh, and then once things kind of have to get adjusted later on in the game, he tries to make things happen. I think that's something we noticed, or I noticed later in the games when he's trying to roll around in the pocket, trying to hit guys on the sideline, which is fine. You're trying to make a play, uh, but just be smart. Uh, go back to the calculated risk that uh, Matt Nagy said was going to be a key uh, for the offense uh, throughout the entirety of the year was calculated risk. And I think Mitch is sometimes trying to still trying to do too much. Uh, but overall, I would say less than average, just the two interceptions really kind of put a damper on it. But he didn't do anything that really hurt the team, I don't think. What about you, Will? Uh, when you're looking at this g uh, game as a whole, what are some things that you were really excited about what you saw out of Trubisky today? And what I'm excited about, he's now the leading rusher uh, out of all quarterbacks in the NFL. He took over Cam Newton, which – Again, I love to watch him run. It's a lot of fun. But also sometimes tonight when he took some of those hits, it gets me a little weary. 
Yeah, definitely. When you see him take those hits, it's like you're one hit away from, and especially, especially at seven and three, this is almost feels like a harbinger at times to the last time the bears were seven and three. Well, technically 2012, but I think of 2011 where they go seven and three and a win against the Chargers, and Jay Cutler breaks his thumb and all of a sudden the season falls down. So yes, a harbinger like that sometimes a uh, big thing that for me on our matches podcast earlier this week was it Mitchell Trubisky at times seems uncomfortable, especially in the primetime spotlight. He only completes about 63% of his passes, uh, which is lower than what he normally completes, especially when he's on. And then especially his yards per attempt goes down to like five and a half. And his his career average, even if you include the John Fox dial Loggins ball, is 7.25 yards per attempt. So it, it seems he's more incomplete passes, shorter passes. And, and even when that first half when he was on, to me, he looked uncomfortable. It didn't look like it was his normal, like, drop back first read and fire. There were times, especially when he was sitting in the pocket, that he just didn't look comfortable. And whether that was the receiver struggling to gain separation or whether he just didn't trust the throw, to me, he just looked a little bit uncomfortable this week. And and that's a little bit of a disturbing tendency when you're talking about primetime because the Bears are a big market team. They're going to be put on primetime, especially if they're successful. And when you get into the playoffs, that's primetime all the time. So, I hopefully he develops a little bit more within that big spotlight. I think he took some more steps this week uh, and this occasion, but still a lot of things to grow from and develop when it comes to this big spotlight. Cause I think there was a difference between what he looks like in this game, the opener, the Monday night against Seattle and the other games he's played this season. Absolutely. I think post snap, I can understand where you're getting at with some of that, you know, not being comfortable, but where I saw him being highly comfortable, which had me very excited um, is his command of the offense pre-snap. He's calling, you know, left and right, this this call, that call. You heard so many different names today, which I, I wanted to write them down. I ended up not doing it. I wish I did. Mr. T. I, I heard Mr. T. I heard uh, <laughs> Beethoven at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting. He's actually taking command of this offense. He's calling uh, audibles at the line of scrimmage. He's adjusting things as he kind of reads the defense. And those are some of those steps that we really want to see out of him. We've been seeing it ever since the bye week more and more. And I thought today um, was a perfect example of that growth that we're seeing of him inside of this offense, at least pre-snap, diagnosing what defenses are trying to do to him. Um, but what about you, Nick? What's, what do you want to give our listeners about Trubisky's day? Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to have to go back and really watch the film to give my you know true assessment of what uh, Trubisky was able to do tonight. I didn't get the sense that, uh, I guess, he felt uncomfortable tonight. There were some decisions where you're like, okay, Trubisky, what are you doing there when you're throwing it to Taylor Gabriel down the middle of the field with three defenders in there? Even though it, it was a good ball, um, you just don't do that. You don't make that decision. That's not going to help you and your team moving forward. Um, but, yeah, I think that when you know the pocket is collapsing at times you he goes to he resorts to running the football using his feet to make the play which is not an issue because he's been really good at it and at times it gives you a heart attack because you're like there's a defender there he's gonna make a miss there's a defender there okay he's gonna squeeze through that and get the first down great but you want to see him you know when the opportunity presents itself instead of just you know resorting to that run let's look downfield let's see what we can have but if at times there's not going to be anybody open that's why you do run the football so you still want to see him make you know, progress in that area. The only thing though, with this game being Sunday night against the Vikings and him finishing 20 to 31, 165 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions in that rating, you know, the Trubisky haters are going to come out in, in waves because look, this was not a game that kind of silences, silences doubters. This one brings more to the, you know, to add to that group. So just prepare throughout the week that Trubisky is not the guy and all that stuff. It's going to happen. But 
luckily they'll play on Thursday to where Trubisky can hopefully, you know, shut that up. Yeah, I was about to say, it's going to be a short week, and we're going to be pretty busy here on the podcast, too, so not a lot of time to listen to those uh, the trolls online here. But, yeah, really good stuff there, Nick. And for me, uh, well, you kind of mentioned it. The accuracy wasn't totally there today. There were a few times where the ball could have been placed a little bit better. I mean, you can look at that almost pick six with that back foot throw to Allen Robinson, that quick out route, scary throw. And even Anthony Miller, uh, that touchdown, it was a great catch by Anthony uh, to scoop that thing low. But he had the whole back of the end zone to work with there, and he underthrew that ball, which, again, it was a touchdown. I'm not complaining, but if you want to kind of nitpick, that ball, he could have led uh, Miller just a little bit better there so he didn't have to make such a crazy effort. But that's why he brought out 17 out of Memphis to make catches like that. Uh, Brandon, anything else about Trubisky? Uh, Nothing that I can really think of. He needs to learn how to slide, though, (laughs) Uh, because I thought for sure he was going to break his arm on one of those. It was a little cringeworthy on the couch, but if he can learn to slide, he's in good shape. All he right. makes being athletic look really unathletic sometimes. He does. Yes. When he gets on an open field, it's like, oh, do I keep running? I'll just kind of stumble and just fall to the ground. It is kind of strange. Like he goes from like Division One track star to like freshly born deer, like, <laughs> like seemingly within moments at times. It's just like you forgot how to use your legs. Yeah, this is true. It's like Deadpool with the little baby legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is. It is. All right. Let's move on to wide receivers, guys. And uh, just all the targets through the year, of course. And uh, Taylor Gabriel, who was uh, shut out last week, ended up leading the team with receptions of seven uh, for 52 yards, averaging 7.4 yards per pop. Um, But of course, uh, what I want to allude to, and I already talked about the Anthony Miller touchdown. I just want to bring up again that coming into this game, uh, the Vikings did not allow a wide receiver to score a touchdown since week four. And, of course, Anthony Miller uh, silenced that and turned that stat pretty much obsolete now. But, uh, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, who do you want to kind of shed some light on here out of all the Bears, wide receivers, tight ends, et cetera? Yeah, I'll talk about Allen Robinson because I thought he had a – it was a mixed performance from him. Uh, we saw the one pass where he gets popped by the – I think it's the corner safe, whoever does it, but he's able to hang on to the ball. The Bears get a first down on that play. Um, great catch. We've seen Allen Robinson make these tough catches where he's falling to the ground, the ball doesn't move, able to convert the chains, make a big play for the offense. But there was this one play on second and eight. Trubisky throws the ball. It's a down the right sideline, and – the ball wasn't placed perfectly, but Robinson's not even looking back for the ball whatsoever. Still kind of running forward, not seeing where the ball is even at night, locating in the air. So he never has a chance that we don't know what that ball could have been had Robinson, you know, turn his head back. So there were times where he did win his win his one-on-one matchups. I know he had a nice slant route, was delayed, uh, able to get into the middle of the field, you know, convert the chains. But then there's a play like that. And you're kind of wondering what's going on there. And also the second interception. Well, what is Allen Robinson supposed to do on that route? Kind of looks like he stumbles up. The corner is able to jam a little bit, throws, throws everything off. So the Bears are still working on it. Obviously, we've seen those two have really good chemistry. Just go back to last week against Detroit, what he's able to do. But it was a mixed bag for me for Allen Robinson specifically. Yeah, he was coming off a huge game, so obviously to live up to that standard was going to be very difficult indeed, but I agree with your assessment there. Very mixed bag from Robinson overall. I just want to note, too, that that's those seven catches by Taylor Gabriel are a career high, so two Bears setting career highs today, uh, just in case you're keeping score at home. Uh, Brandon, it looks like you're kind of falling asleep. I know it's getting late, so I'm going to go right back to you. Uh, who do you want to kind of talk about here? No, I'm getting kind of annoyed because my eyelashes kind of keep, like, clumping together it's kind of annoying but anyway um taylor gabriel the one thing i want to touch on with him this is an observation from the hazel household tonight uh sitting there watching the game with dad and he goes 
you know, Gabriel really stretches a lot for these balls. And I said, you know, he's got a big catch radius for being his size. Quarterback ratings typically go up when they're passing to him. Uh, so he's kind of the guy that I want to see Trubisky keep throwing to because he's going to be able to make a lot of these tougher catches. And we've seen that tonight. There was one crow route specifically where this comment was brought up where he is full extension to go and get the ball. But Trubisky put it only where Gabriel was going to get it. Gabriel went and got it. So very nice uh, job there by Gabriel on that one. Uh, and second thing is uh, these wide receivers really helped establish the run game. Nick alluded to it earlier, just a lot of the sweeps. Uh, and again, another observation from the Hazel household. Dad goes, well, they're running a lot of these sweeps and sticking to it. And I said, yeah, they're going to set up stuff for right up the middle of the run game. That way they can get Jordan Howard going. Sure enough, Jordan Howard gets going right up the middle shortly thereafter. Uh, and then lastly, my favorite, uh, I think, offensive celebration this year is Anthony Miller rowing the boat with the team. That was kind of fun. That was a lot of fun. You're right. It's going to be cool to look back at this year and look at all the celebrations. It's going to have to be a new award at our end of the awards pod at the end of the year because uh, we didn't have a lot to celebrate last year, and this year we're having a lot more fun. Um, Will, I want to go to you, and my question is going to be about Tariq Cohen because he only had three catches for the 23 yards today, and entering this game, I know the Vikings were allowing running backs to average over 10 yards per reception um, against them this season. I really thought this would be a game where Tariq Cohen can make a lot of impact as a receiver, but it was kind of limited. What did the Vikings do to kind of slow him down? They did a number of things, and they ultimately kind of went with the Bill Belichick kind of mantra of we're going to take the best thing you do away from you. And that's why that first half was so successful is because they went to a lot of things that weren't your typical Tariq Cohen type of uh, type of plays. Obviously, we mentioned the jet sweeps. We mentioned a lot of the middle game with Howard that we hadn't seen to a lot of points this year. But they made sure to protect protect the flats. The one big uh, Tariq Cohen run, and now we're talking kind of about the receiving aspect, but they made sure to shut down the flats. And we saw that uh, they created a wall essentially uh, to the flat every single time. And it made it really hard for Cohen to get out and do damage where he does best. And that's in the open field. The only time he was really able to uh, do any damage was when he made that really good cutback on, uh, on one power sleep to the side, he was able to see that the cutback uh, linebacker wasn't staying in his gap. He overpursued, So he was able to cut back and make some uh, positive yardage on that. But overall, a real big emphasis on staying uh, home in the flat. Uh, Cohen was going to have to go across the middle to create any separation, get open in this scheme. And that's ultimately how they shut him down is making sure that they, he didn't get flushed out to the open field, which is obviously where a guy like Tariq Cohen causes slow white linebackers like myself a lot of problems. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one thing I've noted, I have here in my notes, uh, two catches for 11 yards in the very first drive from Josh Bellamy. I'm glad that was it uh, because if we were going to have to rely on him throughout this game, then we would have been for a world of hurt because if we're relying on 15, which obviously he stood up for a reason, he's out there for a reason, but still, if he's going to end up being the go-to guy because the Vikings want you to beat him with Josh Bellamy, I don't like our chances having to beat the Vikings with a Josh Bellamy. And on top I of just that, want to add on that cool. one yeah, go ahead. Real, to, real quick, too. Uh, that wasn't Trubisky's first option, which was a nice uh, thing to see in the spotlight, things where he really struggles. He scanned the field once or twice before he went back to Josh Bellamy. So another nice uh, attribute to add there to Trubisky if we're keeping tallies. Uh, someone's keeping tallies. <laughs> I'm not, so hopefully someone is. <laughs> All right, and on top of this, too, the Vikings, they have a lot of three tight ends coming into this game to 90 plus yards and today they shut out our tight ends uh trey burton one catch nine yards uh ben broniker one catch for four yards adam shaheen had the two-point conversion which he got concussed on which is crazy he seems to be very injury prone it seems like another kevin white pick just to throw it out there i'm just gonna call it as i see it but guys um anything you want to mention about the tight ends not really i mean it was great to see adam shaheen out there and 
look, he hasn't been out here in the entire regular season, but they line up Akeem Hicks and three other receivers <laughs> to the right side. And you're thinking, man, are they going to ball- throw this ball to Akeem Hicks? He's just going to run in. No, but they have Adam Shaheen lined up. ISO throws the fade route. And we, we saw that in training camp. Just box out people, be a basketball player, go get the football. Only thing he got concussed on the play, which is not very good. But you, it, you like to see that because that's a red zone target right there. They can do that if he's healthy multiple times during the regular season. And again, with his size, that creates mismatches. So I will say that I was surprised, though, that Trey Burton wasn't. A good, I'm always surprised when Trey Burton doesn't have a good game <laughs> because he's that good of a player. But, yeah, I was really surprised, especially in, in that lull area in the third quarter where the Bears just are not doing very much. Where's Trey Burton? Why, why aren't they targeting him? He should be a guy that gets the ball more than what he got. I think it was one reception for nine yards on the Only day. One so, target, too. One well, target. No, technically, he had two. He had that screen set up to him that got called True. back for a penalty. True. Yeah. And that was that was a big play as well. So, I, I again, more more Trey Burden for me. Anytime there's more Trey Burden, good things happen. <laughs> more yeah. cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> I want to add uh, the Shaheen. Quick, had, too. Go, ahead, uh, go ahead, Brandon. He was. He was in there on the run block, which is something we wouldn't have seen Deion Sims doing on one of the Jordan Howard runs. I think he picked up seven yards on that one. If that was Deion Sims, it would have been a two-year pickup. And then just to see him lined up out wide instead of uh, a receiver out there, it's nice to see Shaheen wind up, lined up uh, wide on the numbers as well. Yeah, it is. It just Again, it goes back to availability, which is going to be the biggest issue. And right. him getting hurt on a jump ball is nothing new. He did it last year against the Bengals as well. So, True. again, it's I don't know. That's what we brought him in here for, but if he – keeps getting hurt and the one thing we want him to do is put some points on the board it's i don't know what else to tell you it's just kind of what it is at this point it's very upsetting i mean we waited so long to get adam shaheen back from that uh injury in preseason um came back and then of course uh, the concussion so see how long he's going to be out with that let's go ahead and transition over to the running game again we kind of alluded to it jordan howard 18 carries 63 yards uh three and a half yards per pop long of eight uh, Will, I'm going to go to you. What's your take overall um, from Jordan Howard's day and then the rest of the Bears running game as a whole? Because 148 yards against this Vikings defense is a very sound number. Yeah, Howard almost seemed to be running a little bit different today. I think a lot of the credit needs to go to the offensive line that created a really good push for him. But he was he was just – it felt like he was getting to the line of scrimmage faster than in the past. And maybe that's because he wasn't as patient as he normally is at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's no Le'Veon Bell when he gets to the line of scrimmage. And that's also because he made it to the line of scrimmage in 2018. But when you think, <laughs> of, when you think about it overall, I, I think he was just, uh, maybe it was part of the game plan, but they said, you know what, we're going to run some kind of old-fashioned football here. We're going to push as much as we can with the offensive line. And this is not about finding a hole. This is about ramming your body where the hole is supposed to be. And if someone's in there, then God help them because you're better hurt them as hard as you can. And that was successful for the large part in the first half. Uh, and it was, it was a nice change of pace because we haven't seen that type of ball from the Chicago bears to this point. You know, the NBC crew was kind of talking a little bit about how they've tried to get Howard going at times. Uh, but they haven't tried it like this. They've allowed Howard to kind of try to read the offensive line and read the gaps. They said, screw that this week. We're going to ram it right down your throat. And they were largely successful at that in the first half. What about you, Nick? Anything else you want to add about the Bears running game? I think it's just credit to the offensive line for creating the holes for Jordan Howard. And you have Linval Joseph in the middle, who's not an easy man to move. And, you know, I thought Cody Whitehair and those guards were able to do, you know, an effective job at that. And Jordan Howard, like you said, Will, uh, was getting there quick and just we know when he gets a full head of steam it's kind of hard to stop that guy it's just if you're even if it's a linebacker coming up to meet him full you know head on 
Jordan Howard's most likely leaning forward. Can you maybe that additional one or two yards that you need to make it just a little bit easier on the second set of downs? Um, but yeah, I thought overall uh, better for Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen, um, you know, has to get out to the outside. I just didn't think it was a good matchup for that against this Minnesota Vikings defense. And it'll be an easier test against Detroit next week. So, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, step in the right direction and, you know, credit to that offensive line, which we're probably going to get to talking about right now. Yeah, right now. Brandon, go. <laughs> you know what? For the running game, I, I like that the offensive line is getting the love. Uh, but I'm not even going to credit the offensive line for the running game. I'm going to credit the scheme because you don't just stick to running all these sweeps early in the game if you're not going to commit something else later. Uh, so I thought Matt Nagy did a very good job, and that allowed Jordan Howard uh, to find those holes early, and he was able to hit them and hit them hard because he knew they were going to be there because you don't just stick to those jet sweeps like that. Uh, at least I've never seen it committed to it like that anyway. So uh, overall, we'll move it to the to the pass pro now on the offensive, on the offensive line. Uh, the the Vikings were coming with pressure, and that was something that we all expected. Uh, they're very, very solid defense. Uh, and Trubisky was able to, to help them out a little bit with his feet, as we've seen. He was able to shuffle in the pocket, create some good passes there, buy himself a little bit more time. Even when the pocket did collapse, you know, Trubisky was able to get out of it. Uh, but for the most part, they only allowed, what, one, two sacks on the game? I think one. They allowed one sack on the whole game, but the pocket was just consistently, I don't want to say consistently collapsing, but they were giving Trubisky just enough time to be able to get these throws off. And that's something that, you know, with this offensive line, we've been saying, well, they don't give up a whole lot of sacks. Uh, but in this one, they knew there was going to be a lot of pressure. They did a good job of holding in there just long enough. And we even seen Jordan Howard in there uh, staying in the backfield, blocking some extra time as well to pick up the additional blitzer. Uh, so, again, I'll just credit the scheme. They, they knew what was coming, and they, they held up to it. Absolutely. And Jordan Howard, too, give him credit because there was a few times where he had some excellent pass split, uh, yep. blitz pickups. It's on, it's Harrison Smith, who is a very tough person to stop as well. Uh, so credit to 24 there. Uh, any final thoughts on the offense, guys, before we head over to the defense? And Nick, I'll let you kick that off. Oh, like I said earlier, there's still, you know, uh, time for this offense to improve. And there's still, you know, ability that we're not seeing out there because, there's still a new unit still trying to get everything working together. And we saw that tonight. There was some, you know, plays that receivers are maybe running the wrong routes or not at the same time with Trubisky. But then you see what the potential can be just going down and throwing defensive players in the formation, doing isolated plays with your, you know, six foot seven tight end. That's what you want to see, creating mismatches on the field and just giving your offense, you know, positions to succeed. But overall, um, you know, I, th this offense does need a little bit of work, especially seeing what it did against Detroit, having a better uh, opponent in the Minnesota Vikings. But now you go back to Detroit. So we'll see where this offense can go from here. All right. What about you, Will? Uh, I, I know we kind of mentioned the Viking boat celebration, but oh, man, that, that just made me really happy. That throwback <laughs> to the past. I mean, that the big Viking boat scandal was in 2005, but it was great to bring back that piece of history. And Man, I, it'll be fun. I hope that there's a little bit of a competition between offense and defense for celebrations throughout the rest of the year. And from the personalities we have so far, that's going to be one heck of a competition. So I know there's going to be a lot to talk about when it comes to the offense and what we would probably overall call a disappointing performance, especially in the second half. But at the end of the day, this is a team that's having a lot of fun. And, and that's such a difference. And it's something that we haven't seen in a long time. And when you see these young teams like having this much fun, that's when you know that you have essentially the recipe to success going forward because you don't see this on a lot of teams. You see teams that are winning, but you don't see them having this much fun playing football together. And I think that's something to watch going forward. Yeah, and I mean, this has been talked about since January, ever since Matt Nagy was hired about 
allowing this team to have fun, preaching that they should find a way to, you know, be you, be yourself and have fun along the way, but also get down to work. And they've been doing a perfect combination of the two so far this season. And like you said, Will, it's it's been a lot of, well, you know, fun to watch. And I can't wait to see what, how it all shapes up down the end. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Nick and I had a question on the audio mailbag about when we thought we were going to see like a fridge type of run up the middle. And when Akeem Hicks lined up in the backfield, I honestly thought that was it. I got really, really excited, and I'm still excited they got the two-point conversion with Shaheen, but it could have been a lot cooler with Akeem Hicks. And we could have saved a concussion. But that's <laughs> hindsight. Yes, it is. All right. So up next, we're going to enter the third quarter of our show and break down the Bears' defense. But first, <clears throat> I need to let you know that, hey, Short week, as you know, and we need to get some questions in for this audio mailbag. So real quick, call us 872-240-4007. Let, you know, uh, let us know any of your Bears questions. We'd be more than happy to answer them on the podcast this week. All right, Nick, over to you. Uh, Bears defense, how do you take this performance? I thought the first half they played great. Oh, yeah. I mean, even you look at the game as a whole, at the end there, we, we've seen it before where they just speed things up opponents, and that's where the uh, opposing offense can get the Bears defense. But they brought pressure. They were getting after it. Kirk Cousins didn't look comfortable back there because he knew at one side you had Cleo Mack coming after you. And did you see that he had a he put a, he put a tackle on the ground with one hand? And you can watch that clip over and over and over again and not get tired of it. He's just a force every time he comes on the field. You see Akeem Hicks getting pressure, Leonard Floyd doing his thing. The, this Bears defense is playing lights out, and they are t- making things happen, especially when they cause turnovers. Eddie Jackson, as soon as he got that pick, he knew exactly where to go with it. He was kind of pointing. He pointed to, I think I think it was Roquan Smith. Here, block that guy. I'm going to take it back to the house. That's that's exactly what you want to see from this unit, just making plays, and then you see Cleo Max force fumbled out, I think was in the red zone, takes points off the board for the Vikings. That's a t- that's a top three defense right there, and it's scary because um, obviously we saw them kind of f- not fall apart, but you, they gave up what they gave up at the end there, but just a great unit overall. Great performance by the Bears. Absolutely. I mean, the first half was pretty darn near perfect. Uh, ended up with three three and outs and two turnovers. Can't really get much better than that. I mean, we can. We've seen it. But still, going up against a Vikings team that was been that is very potent and can put up points for the Bears defense to come out and play with the attitude that they did, the aggressiveness that they did, and even though they did allow that red zone trip uh, to have that turnover by Khalil Mack to take those points off the ball, the board, not even a field goal attempt. It's like, nope, none. You're out of here. Uh, it's just huge. It really is. And the Bears, they've been out of tear. Three takeaways and six for the last seven games, and they ended up with uh, three today. So that's going to be three take- turnovers or takeaways and seven of their last eight games for this defense, which is really crazy. What about you, Will? Uh, when you're looking at this defense as a whole from the performance from – uh, the first minute to the very uh, last. What's your just general takeaways? Overall, I, I know I mentioned Vic Fangio as my MVP for the game, but the fact of the matter is you can only call an aggressive game plan if the rest of your team stays aggressive with you. So, And the Bears players really backed up Vic Fangio on his approach for this week. And I think that's something to really watch uh, because I think for a few weeks, uh, especially when Khalil Mack was out for a little bit, it kind of felt – that the Bears were kind of like looking for that spark and they really lost that aggressive side. And whether it's Khalil Mack being back or whether they're learning to play a little bit more as a team now, regardless of who's on the field, they have been very aggressive and and that makes the difference. That's why you see a lot of those plays, like you mentioned, they, they drive into the red zone. Well, guess what? They take it as a personal vendetta that the team still does not get any points out of that drive. 
I mean, you don't expect those types of things to happen, especially when they drive in that deep into Bears territory. That's absolutely incredible to watch. And then the biggest thing to me is how they basically play complimentary football, even if the offense at times isn't even holding up. That touchdown in the second half, like that's the stuff that legendary defenses are made out of. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And I know they aren't quite at the mythological level of some of the Bears defenses in the past, like 06 and 85. But those are the types of plays and those types of situations that legendary defenses make. So overall, if you're looking for kind of a staple game that a defense is trying to build a case off of for one of the best of what have you, this is a game that you do in it because I, if you ask me if there's one phase that won it and one group that won it, it was this defense. They played lights out today. No, they really did. And even in the second half when the Bears were just giving the Vikings some short fields, it was the defense that was bailing them out, forcing them to field goals despite the fact that Minnesota was starting at the Bears' 30-yard line on two separate occasions. So for me, um, that's one of my bigger takeaways is actually the red zone trips and results, at least the first three. The last two were garbage time. I mean, technically garbage time. And they gave up some easy touchdowns. But the first three trips um, is the four fumble by Mac, and then the two trips in the second half, uh, which uh, you know came after turnovers, uh, Cohen's fumble, Trubisky's interception. And, yeah, just forcing them to field goal attempts despite the short fields to me is a huge uh, key and why we ended up winning this game because, say, both of those, the Vikings end up scoring touchdowns and all the pressure goes back to the Bears' offense. But we saw that. That's the Green Bay game. It's a little bit of a different story. So uh, I'm happy it turned out the way it did today. Uh, Brandon, what about you? Big takeaway on defense? Takeaway on defense is what we talked about on Thursday. We said we have to make Kirk Cousins beat us. And late in the fourth quarter when the NBC guys said, man, Consworth, or not Consworth, uh, it might have been Consworth said it, but Cousins has thrown for 40 passes already. And I went, yep, this one's over. He's thrown for more than 40 passes. This game is over because when he throws for more than 40 passes, they've lost every time. Uh, so when we got there, I felt pretty secure, just statistically, historically, whatever. Uh, but that also helps. Like, he has to throw that many passes because I don't know if you guys have looked at the box score. I'm sure you have by this point. Uh, but the whole team that Minnesota had, their rushing yards, 22 total yards. That's really impressive because Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray are pretty solid running backs. And the fact that it felt like Akeem Hicks was running with them on top of them throughout the entirety of the game really makes them put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands. And that's why they ended up having to uh, uh, end up putting the ball in his hands and had to, had to try and win through the passing game. And I think there was uh, only one point late in the fourth when the defense kind of started back off playing a little bit soft because they didn't want to give up the big play which is totally understandable. Uh, but at the same time, you got to stiffen up because the game wasn't quite out of reach yet. It was still two possessions, uh, but I didn't quite feel like the game was iced. Uh, they were just kind of keep moving the ball downfield. And at some point, I was expecting Vic Fangio to kind of crank the notch on getting a little stiffer in there. And it just it didn't happen, and they ended up scoring. Luckily, we recovered the onside. But overall, this defense was absolutely solid. I don't know the last time that I've seen only 22 rushing yards in a game that the Bears defense is allowed with two pretty good running backs back there from Minnesota as well. Yeah, and the 22 is a great number. And on top of that, the yards per rush, 1.6 yards per rush allowed by this defense today. Again, it just 
it proves just how well the defensive line wanted the point of attack constantly from the very beginning of this game. And I have here in my notes uh, with the defensive line, just a general note, manhandling the Vikings. And that's it. And I think that's true. That was accurate throughout the majority of this game. Uh, so, Brandon, I'm actually going right back to you because I want to begin our discussion on the defensive line. We already talked about Akeem Hicks. Um, anyone else that you want to shed some light on? John Bullard was kind of quiet, uh, per se, in the stat sheet. Uh, but one of the first deflected balls that Bryce Callahan had in his hands uh, hit John Bullard in the helmet. Uh, so just the fact that he's able to read Cousins, get his hands up, get his head up in the way, I guess, uh, be able to deflect the pass there. And there was also one other play where he shot through the backfield. I thought he was held, uh, but Cousins rolls to the right, uh, completes a pass. I mean, John Bullard was quiet, but he was still able to make his impact felt on the game. And I think he was also lined up on the offense with Akeem Hicks on that same play in the two-point conversion. Just had to throw that little tidbit out there. But uh, Eddie Goldman as well, another quiet uh, performance per se, but he didn't give up any ground up the middle either. And that's why Akeem Hicks is able to get in there real quickly. There's a few times where I even saw Eddie kind of break free in there too rather quickly to disrupt Cousins to force some throws out a little bit quicker and also – uh, and the few instances in which the Vikings actually did try to run the ball, kind of take some inside runs, force them outside as well. So Eddie Goldman, don't have a lot of notes on him, but the notes I have are positive. And again, he's a very quiet, sound, impactful player. He's like a secret weapon in the middle of the field in many ways for the Bears. Uh, so Eddie Goldman continuing to uh, play his uh, very high caliber of play. Uh, how about you, Will? I want to go to you. I'm not going to lie. Between all 11 players on the defense, obviously that front seven caused a lot of this. I honestly think the word to describe Kirk Cousins for the majority of this game was scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you notice how many times that he could have ran for first downs, but he, he treated that that line of scrimmage like uh, like the Rubicon. Like, I am not crossing that thing because if I cross that thing, someone is going to kill me. And the one time he did, Danny Trevathan almost killed him. <laughs> So it was crazy to watch that. I have no, I have not seen a quarterback in the in the modern, but outside of like some rookie performances or backups thrown in after a starter's been injured, I have not seen a starting quarterback at least at the caliber of like mid to upper tier like Kirk Cousins look so scared for an entire game. And I, I mean, you guys can disagree, but I mean, man, I, I think he probably thought about pass attempt number twenty is like, man, can we? I mean, I know we only got one point six yards per carry so far, but can we like try that a little bit more? Because <laughs> to me, he looked terrified. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he didn't have a lot of time regardless. Khalil Mack was breathing down his neck more times than not. Akeem Hicks coming right into his lap. I mean, that's a scary combination. And actually, I think I saw here through next-gen stats. If I'm, let me scroll real quick. The Bears just retweeted this. Hicks and Mack combined for 15 disruptions today in the backfield, which is the most of any defensive duo in Week 11. Uh, Hicks had eight, Cleo Mack had seven. So they're just living in the backfield tonight, which is a big reason why the Bears defense was able to uh, hold the Vikings um, as well as they did today because when they did have time and when they did go to the quicker passing game, they were able to kind of dink and dunk down the field. We've seen it all season long. But when they actually wanted to you know, run a typical offense, not a lot of time to get much done with Hicks and Mack today. Uh, what about you, Nick? Any other thoughts about the Bears' defensive line, or do you want to move on to linebackers? You know what? Uh, just one thing on the defensive line. I guess that like a guy like Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, uh, Jonathan Bullard, they can almost get overshadowed because of how good of a game Akeem Hicks had. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, that 1.6 you know run average, that happens because that 
front seven is playing the way it is. It's not just all only Akeem Hicks. Even at times, it seems like it is. It's where Eddie Goldman's not giving up any ground. And like you said, well, I did see him in the backfield a little bit more as well. Um, but it's that whole entire unit that's really playing stout and then having those linebackers just kind of finish the job. But that that's a great front seven that the Bears have, and they do their jobs well enough to where – you know, those linebackers, like I said, can just finish it. And I think credit to how Vic Fangio and just the whole entire defensive coaching staff has really coached up the the Bears and each individual player to do each specific job. And that's why the Bears have been as dominant as they have been all season. And real quick, too, uh, Zach Pearson just tweeted out a quote from Akeem Hicks about his performance tonight. Um, and he said that his nieces and nephews were in town and it was her first time at Soldier Field. And, uh, his, you know, uncle had to put on a show for him. That's great. I mean, such a. I mean, Akeem Hicks is like the nicest guy, but as soon as he puts the helmet on, he's the meanest uh, kind of person he could ever want to encounter. So just stay away from him if you ever see him with the helmet on. But if he's not, come say hi. He's a really nice <laughs> guy. Sure. All right, guys, moving on to the linebackers. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about Khalil Mack because we didn't give him an MVP. Um, I don't think we did. It's been a, quite some time. I think we didn't because it's the obvious one. He is more times than not, and we try to give some other players love, but he had another MVP type of performance today you had the force fumble on cook um getting in there um the, uh, i think actually the very next drive he uh had two plays in which he single-handedly hurried up cousins forcing incompletions uh back to back leading to a three and out and after that uh, he just kept getting going after Kirk cousins time in time out and of course he also got a sack later on in the game so cleo mac obviously making an impact well what did you see out of him today because uh, ever since he's came back from his injury he is the cleo mac that we saw early on in the season he is a man possessed. I mean, it is. I, there's at some points where it's so obvious, but you just look at whoever you're watching the game with, and you're like, they can't block him. Like they they can try whatever they want. Like Riley Reef is a solid NFL tackle. I would probably say, you know, upper tier at the very least. I I believe he's at least top ten, at least for uh, starting. I believe. Right tackles, I, I for some reason slipping my mind which side he's on. But either way, for he's he's upper echelon for which side he's on, and he just got like you said manhandled. Like that doesn't happen. These are NFL players; they could snap us like toothpicks. And here Khalil Mack is playing the top one percent of players and making them look like they belong on a JV squad. Like that just doesn't happen. And here he is just making people look like fools over and over again. And they can triple team them. They can chip them. And when he's playing at 100%, it just don't matter. It's incredible to watch. Like, I wish – I mean, I, you bring me on, I feel, at times to have, like, the, you know, technique things and the X's and O's. Khalil Mack kind of throws that out the window. He just beats people. And it's incredible to watch. No, it really is. But, Nick, I want to go to you. Leonard Floyd, we talked about it earlier on, ascending – what did you see out of him today? You know, it, I saw a lot from Leonard Floyd, and it goes to being able to contain the edge, being able to drop back in coverage. We saw that happen a little bit today, just getting after the, the quarterback, whether it's utilizing the, the spin move, which he utilized a couple of times tonight. But Leonard Floyd is just putting together really good games, and it's it's in all facets of the game, not just trying to get pressure on you know the quarterback, which is – obviously what you want to see him do, but he's able to, you know, make plays in other areas as well. And that's what makes it so difficult to, you know, block this Bears front seven, especially Mack and Floyd, because Floyd is starting to come alive. And that means that obviously you have to throw a double team to Mack's side, but Floyd's going to win those one-on-one matchups eventually. He didn't get a sack today. That's all right. 
but he was able to make impactful plays in other facets of the game. And that's exactly what you you want from Floyd because he is a pretty versatile player. He dropped back in coverage at Georgia a lot there. He was definitely doing that in his first, you know, two years here with the Bears. So, and, you know, he's done that a lot also this year. So he's also a guy that can do that for you, come off the edge, run the stunts. You see him sometimes just line up right in the middle and you have Mac maybe collapse, uh, you know, the pocket, him, rush, you know, go around. That's what he, he can utilize, that speed to get around the edge to hopefully get the sacks and, you know, just cause pressures on opposing quarterbacks. So I really like how Leonard Floyd is playing. Just needs to keep it up, and the sacks will come because he's doing everything right right now. It, they'll they'll come eventually. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, I talked about Akeem Hicks with the five tackles for a loss. Well, only one other Bear had more than one tackle for a loss today, and that's Leonard Floyd. He had two. Uh, so like you said, Nick, he's, he's ascending. He's starting to get into that groove now, and the sacks will come eventually. And even if he's not taking down quarterbacks, he's finding a way to impact games. In the end, that's really all that matters. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Anything else on the outside linebackers, uh, either Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd? And before I officially hand it over to you, just want to mention that people know that Aaron Lynch is being evaluated for a concussion. So very short week. I'm sure we're actually going to have him for Thursday uh, afternoon. But Brandon, over to you for outside linebackers. Well, I was going to touch on Lynch there because he did go out with the concussion. And you guys have touched on everything that I wanted to with Floyd, uh, Mack, and now Lynch. So we got to see some Isaiah Irving out there today. He didn't look bad didn't get back there in the backfield he had some some quick moves uh per se so since you guys highlighted everything else i think i'm pretty much out on us outside linebackers because i mean they just did an absolutely phenomenal job throughout the entirety of this one. one thing i would like to bring up quick about leonard floyd is that in the past he has been a very streaky player so his rookie season when he got back from that initial burst of injuries he had a he strung together four or five games where he had a sack 2016 he had a pretty strong start to the season before he went out again he typically is a streaky player, and hopefully he's catching on to one of those hot streaks, and we'll get to ride that out throughout, obviously, the end of the season, hopefully into some postseason games. Yeah, good point there, too. You're, yeah, you're right. He is very, very streaky. Uh, Brandon, I will go right back to you then. Let's bounce inside. Trevathan, Roquan Smith, who do you want to talk about? I was kind of disappointed in Roquan's coverage today. Uh, felt like Kyle Rudolph, especially late in games, was getting more touches than I think that we typically would have seen. Uh, I don't know if he was just slow reading where Cal Rudolph was going to go or if he was just getting beat at the point of attack on some of these. Uh, he was good in pressuring the quarterback, didn't have a sack on this one, but there were a couple times where he was in there in Kirk Cousins' face. Uh, Dan Trevath and Stanway was really hoping he kind of put a bigger hit on Kirk Cousins because Cousins really, really looked intimidated. Uh, like Will said, you know, he didn't want to cross that line of scrimmage. He was literally looking for someone else to give the ball to, and he just really couldn't do it. Uh, but I was – Overall, impressed with both these two because they didn't over-pursue, I think, maybe once they did throughout the whole game. But other than that, they kept it around, broke down really nicely when they had to go and wrap up, make tackles in space. Uh, but outside Roquan's coverage skills on Cal Rudolph from time to time, it was kind of here and there. Uh, for the most part, both those guys played a very good game as well. Yeah, my biggest knock on Roquan was probably the missed tackle that he had on Stephon Diggs over the middle of the field, which allowed Diggs to kind of get back up and run down the field for a lot of yards after the catch, where today I think we saw a lot of uh, yak um, from not just the linebackers in coverage, but also the secondary as a whole, which, um, of course, it didn't burn us today, but anytime you do that, it's slightly alarming um, in one way or another. Um, But let's go over to Nick here. Uh, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, anything you want to mention? Yeah, I thought Danny Trevathan did an exceptional job tonight with sniffing out screens. You saw him. It was just whenever the Vikings would run him, you knew Danny Trevathan was going to be right there to either, you know, mitigate, just kind of 
destroy the play right then and there, or he was just, you know, going to make a tackle for a loss. Whatever it was, Danny Trevathan knew exactly how to read the linemen, follow them, go find the receiver, and just stop the play in general. I thought, you know, that's that's what you want out of Danny Trevathan, someone who's very instinctual, can just knows about what opposing offense are going to run at them. And that's a, you know, not not the easiest play to make, especially when you have 300-plus-pound linemen trying to block you. And he's an undersized guy, as uh, as we all know. But Danny Trevathan, I thought he did really well in diagnosing screens tonight. Yeah, really good. Uh, that could be a neck. That could be a neck. Maybe I'll just switch my neck uh, from Cody Parkey to Danny Trevathan sniffing out screens. Yeah, it's it's like a, a neck part two. Okay, neck part two. <laughs> there we go. How about you, Will? Any final thoughts on linebackers before we move on to the secondary? Uh, I would definitely echo that uh, Roquan Smith allowed himself to get out leveraged on a lot of plays. I think that's a lot of the reason why you saw Kyle Rudolph, especially on some outbreaking routes, uh, able to get a little bit of separation more than he should against Roquan Smith, uh, especially once you designate that the Vikings aren't going to run the ball. Uh, that's definitely something you really got to close down that leverage that you're giving up at the beginning of a play, especially, I mean, Rudolph isn't exactly the fastest tight end out there, but he's a solid route runner. So you have to be able to respect that. And once you realize that you've put the Vikings down to only 1.6 or about two yards of carry, you have to understand that those tendencies are going to change, especially as they're down one, two scores late in the game. That's something that Roquan Smith's going to have to learn. Definitely called out Danny Trevathan uh, on the Matchups podcast this week. He's been a little bit quiet, which isn't exactly a bad thing at times. But, man, like has already been mentioned, he came out with a very strong game. And uh, just to go on how great he was in the screens, uh, typically what you want to do as a linebacker when you recognize a screen, you're going to want to cut back door because linemen aren't exactly great. They're out and the screen's supposed to go one way and they're supposed to kind of create a wall to one direction. You, as a linebacker, you have to be able to designate and recognize very quickly because if you're able to take the back door, you can shut down screens before they happen and generally make a TFL on the play. Uh, but you have a very small window to execute that. And Trevathan did that flawlessly today. So, uh, like you said, that's a, that's worth a knack, knack part two. So, Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook, he had three catches, negative two yards, just to show his impact that how it was just completely out the window yeah. due to that, you know, great ability to sniff out screens. I know Danny was in there and it wasn't just him. Uh, the guys on the edge as well, were just all swarming to the football as well. So uh, to limit Dalvin cook through the year, which is something a lot of teams haven't been able to figure out the bears holding him to negative two yards. That's not even holding him. That's uh, forcing him back. Negative two yards is a great sign to see if you're a bears fan. Average 10 at- yards, average 10 yards of catch uh, before this game. There you go. Negative two. That'll help. That'll help you take the average <laughs> down just a little bit. Um, moving on to the Bears secondary today, for the first half, they played really well. Of course, uh, the pass rush, the front seven, was really helping them out. But then things kind of opened up a little bit in the second half when they went a little bit more up-tempo. They were trying to catch up. The Bears defense was playing off coverage a little bit more. So I don't know how much you want to look into the numbers here uh, with the 262 yards given up. Stephon Diggs was the leading receiver of with uh, 13 catches, 126 yards on the night. Uh, let's go over to Nick. What's your take about the secondary? Because even though I'm seeing 260 yards given up, which is more than their average, I'm not concerned one bit. Yeah, no, I'm not. And then also, Adam Thielen didn't have his first catch. I think it was late into the second quarter, early mm-hmm. third quarter, where you know the Bears just took him out of the equation. That's one of the best route runners in the entire NFL, and he can line up in so many different spots where – Whoever is guarding him, it's going to be a tough matchup. But the Bears did an excellent job on him. He only finished with seven receptions for 66 yards. He did have that two-point conversion. But for the most part, they did a really good job on Thielen. 
Diggs got a lot of his reception and yards towards the end of the game where they're speeding up the tempo and the Bears defense obviously backing off a little bit. So if you go prior to even that that touchdown drive, you know, the Bears defense did a really good job of limiting what these uh, playmakers for the Vikings could do. And, you know, that duo right there, probably arguably the best in the NFL. So I'm really happy with what they were able to do, just contesting uh, balls. And you know what I really like from Kyle Fuller? He got beat on a double move by Diggs. Got beat. Kirk Cousins misses that ball badly. But there was another play down in the fourth quarter. Diggs runs that same double move, but Kyle Fuller learned from it, is able to contest the pass, and they kind of look at each other. They're smiling at each other, just saying, hey, you got me the first time, but I I rebounded the second time. That's what I love to see because Kyle Fuller, such a competitive guy, is going to fight for every yard that's, you know, given. We see him when he makes tackles, but – that right there, obviously he got beat and he got lucky that he didn't pay for it. But then he learned the second time from a great route runner like Diggs to throw that double move, is able to rebound from it. I love seeing that from players just learning from their mistakes in game to come back later in the game to you know fix those. Yeah, it was a big pass breakup in the end zone. Like you said, it was the same move and he was able to learn from it. And that's been a mantra here in Chicago ever since Coach Nagy took over. Like you can make a mistake, but you need to learn from it and don't make the same mistake twice. And that's a great example of that. Uh, Will, I'll go over to you. Uh, Prince Mukamara, I noticed that they started to put Thielen on him after some time, and a lot of people would probably say, looking at this game, that they kind of picked on Mukamara a little bit today and had some success. Is that fair? Absolutely fair. Uh, there was one play specifically where they went back uh, and replayed it, and it didn't look like he was even ready for the snap to happen. And uh, that was especially clear because the first thing that he did is he spread both feet out kind of like as a quick reactionary thing, which is a corner is – kind of a cardinal sin because once you get your feet spread out, you aren't able to move any which direction quickly, which is kind of important for a corner. There are a lot of times where it just looked like Prince of Mukamara's feet were just out of place and he was kind of out of sorts at times, which is strange because, I mean, whereas you kind of find a guy like Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco to have the best feet as a wide receiver, that's kind of Prince of Mukamara as a corner. What he sometimes lacks in ball skills and uh, as a ball hawk, he makes up for staying on receivers with their feet and matching their feet, which is very difficult to do as a corner, kind of rare at times, too. He didn't seem to have that today a lot of the times, especially when Thielen was on him. Uh, Just a quick echo back to what you were saying, uh, the 260-some yards against the Bears' defense. Keep in mind, 46 throws is kind of more than what the Bears are typically going up against per week. So overall, that's generally a great job. And and you mentioned earlier, a lot of that was when it's a two-score game, late in the game, you're willing to play a little bit off, try to open up the middle of the field a little bit more. And when it comes to the yak, it's a little bit concerning, but also recognize you're going against two receivers that are great at turning up field after the catch, especially in those off-coverage situations. So guys like Diggs, I think what Prince of Mukamara lacked at times uh, off the release with his feet They were sure tacklers once they grabbed the ball. There were a couple of times where you obviously saw that Diggs was trying to make a move in the open field, but the likes of Amukamara and Fuller slow played it, allowing the rest of the defense to rush towards, which we've seen this entire season, 11 men to the football every single play, and it's been very successful. They were able to slow play, make sure that Diggs wasn't getting around them on just a quick move, allowing for even more yak. So overall, solid performance. Prince Amukamara definitely needs to step his game up, but Everyone else kind of got him this week. And uh, when the other secondary weren't helping him out, the pass rush rust. So team effort, if you have one weak link in a game, well, you're able to cover him up sometimes, and that's what happened. Exactly. Uh, Brandon, looking at the safeties, both of them had interception. Is there anything else to note about them besides those? I think this was the best group in the secondary uh, today. I had Bryce Callahan uh, predict as my MVB on Thursday, 
and he only had one tackle on the day. But I, looking back at it, the reason is because he was able to cover up Adam Thielen so well. And he had help over the top because the Bears were consistently playing both their safeties high because they didn't want to give up the big play against these two very talented wide receivers. Uh, so they did a very good job of scheming up the way to to beat these guys. And I, I wish I had gave Bryce Callahan my actual MVP because I didn't look it up till about halftime. And I, went in. I think I had a defensive player predicted and I picked the wrong guy. But regardless, uh, I mean, the safeties overall just played very well. And my favorite celebration of the night came with the Eddie Jackson pick six. That was very unexpected from the defense. So I was happy to see that one. Yeah, that one was a lot of fun, too. All right. Any final thoughts on the Bears defense before we head into the fourth and final quarter of our postgame show? Let's go to Will first. Uh, just an absolutely great team effort from that side of the ball from start to finish. Obviously, those two scores towards the end you don't want to see, but overall, fantastic effort the entire way throughout. And like I said, main word that you saw on the field, and I'm sure as I'll see on film, aggressive. And that's where the Spurs defense thrives. So hopefully we see more of that as the year progresses. Well, just a fun fact, the Bears actually aren't going to be looking at this film. With a short week, Nagy said it's going to be a different type of Monday in Hallis Hall, so they're going to move right on to Detroit. little interesting nu- uh, nugget there. Yeah, interesting. We'll see how that kind of plays out. I'm glad they're not kind of trying to cram in a full week um, because that would be kind of tough to do. So we'll see how this different routine works for this very short game window. But, Brandon, over to you. Uh, any final thoughts on D? Uh, the Bears' D was singing a very good song tonight, uh, and it led them to a victory because, I mean, we talked about how in the preview show that, you know, their safeties are, are good coming down in run defense, and I thought that was something they were going to have to – going to have to use in this game, but uh, the defensive line just did a very good job of shutting literally everything down. Uh, the passing game, the running game, it just literally could not get off the ground until late game when Vic Fangio backed off a little bit because he didn't want to prevent the big plays late. So uh, big round of applause for the for the defense in this one. All right. They're all over to you, Nick. I just want to give Eddie Jackson some love. I think that the Bears have one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he's only in his second year. He just has the instincts to make you know game-changing plays, and that pick six couldn't have come at a better time for the Bears where the Vikings were kind of coming back, and you're like, oh, boy. And then right on the very first play, uh, once the, the Vikings get the ball, pick six, Eddie Jackson kind of closed that. They, they have a special player in uh, um, Eddie Jackson right there. That's love why it was my stuff. MVP. No love for Amos, though. Oh no, great, great too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he got a big six. He got a big six, man. <laughs> that's true, and that's why it was my MVP. Uh, you know, my monster moment because of just how you know meaningful that play was for the landscape of this game. Very good, uh, very good way to step up from Andy Jackson. And just remember, we got him in the fourth round last year. Such a steal from Ryan Pace, who uh, always tends to find those you know mid round gems. Uh, but for me, I just want to give a shout-out to the defense for their third-down efficiency, allowing Minnesota only 5 of 12, and a lot of those kind of came late, too. Early on, uh, when it came to third down, it came down to crunch time, the Bears' defense held tough and were able to get off of the field. So for me, uh, third-down defense was a very pivotal component of this game, and for them to step up against uh, an offense that has Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, a lot of players they can go to on third down. Um, but for them to find a way to get off the field, which all starts up front, um, just got to give them a huge props to that as well. All right, brothers, it's time to head into the fourth and final quarter. And let's go ahead and begin with our quick hit on special teams. Is there anything else that we need to mention besides Cody Parkey's redemption that we hit on in the top of the show? I wish Cohen would have taken a pump back because then I'd have had a pretty close bolt prediction. But <laughs> other than that, Cody Parkey, welcome back. 
Tariq Cohen took over duties on the last kickoff return, if I'm not mistaken, which uh, I think is something important to note. Taquan Mazel, I don't think belongs in the NFL. I think a lot of people echo that statement as well. I really don't know what he's doing on this roster. We could probably have someone of more use and utility in that spot. If he's only going to be a below average returner, I don't know why he's here. So uh, Cohen taking over on kickoff, uh, I, kickoff return is something I think to look at moving forward. And my thing here is uh, when I'm watching the Gunners and the Bears trying to block them, usually they have their corners out there. There are times where, you know, Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukumar on the outside just need to do a better job. And look, the Bears are not coming in trying to block the punt. Just put the two guys on the Gunners. That's going to give you more of an opportunity for Tariq Cohen to have punt returns because there are times where he has to call for the fair catch because the Gunners right in front of his face. So I want to see a little bit better, better blocking on those Gunners moving forward. Absolutely. I have one question for you guys, too, real quick to end this, because I asked you last week that if the game was on the line and we had to send out Cody Parkey, would you have any confidence in him? And we all said no. And I asked Bears fans today after the game if they have confidence in him now. So I want to know, has your opinion changed? Are you back to even keel after uh, the redemption game, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was as hard on him as you guys were. Uh, I got to go back and pay attention to what I said, but I've got confidence in Parkey again. What about you, Nick? Has, has your confidence rebounded like Parky's leg? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It depends how far it is. Let's be completely honest. If it's, it's 48, you know, I was very, uh, I don't know. I was very wary when he when he was going up there, but glad it went through the uprights. I'm not going to say I wanted to come down to that because that's, no, I'd rather it not, but I am a little bit more confident than I was last week for sure. I what wonder you, how much persuasion. Uh, Tabor had to do to get Parky out there because we seen him talking over and they had yeah. to call timeout to make sure that you know, hey, we can get Parky out here. I don't know how much swing to do, but I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, and, and Tabor too. When he, when uh, Parky hit that first field goal, he was going bananas. He was, he was pumped. <laughs> you would have thought they won the game or something. No, it was just a thirty something yard field goal. You know, it's <laughs> like that's my kicker. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What about you, Will? I know you weren't on last week's post-game show, but I'm sure your confidence was uh, you know, dwindling like the rest of us. Um, has it kind of uh, trended back upward? It absolutely has, and I'll tell you why. Because kickers so many times, it's such a mental game along with physical execution. And we've seen moments like these and kickers before. Like, I think of Robert Aguayo when he had that, uh, what was it, like five missed field goals on a Monday night game. He never recovered from that. Not that he was doing great before that, but you see those kinds of nights where a kicker kind of loses their mind and it just destroys their career. And then Cody Parkey comes back tonight where kicking is such a mental game and you can allow those mistakes to just kind of haunt you. He comes back, he knocks three right through the upright. So I, I, yeah, definitely a lot of confidence because that's exactly why they paid him so much guaranteed money in the first place. I don't think Brian Pace is a swing and miss guy on that. Uh, Obviously when you hit the goalpost four times in uh, in a single game, it does of course sway your confidence, but an absolute bounce back and a mental fortitude of a kicker is absolutely vital going forward. And that's what I want in a guy when he's kicking a game winner. I want a guy who's mentally tough. He didn't let those field goals shake him. He didn't let all the Chicago Bears media shake him. I mean, think of all the, I mean, the helicopter going at Soldier Field. Don't (laughs) tell me that there wasn't something in his head before this game. Because literally all the eyes were on him, even the ones in the gosh darn sky. Uh, (laughs) And, and he comes through and he follows through. So that my confidence is absolutely restored because of how much of a mental game kicking in special teams is. Man, absolutely bounce back performance, gutty performance. Looking forward to him being my kicker for the next few years. 
He actually got a game ball from the Sunday night football crew. And I think, you know what? They should get that helicopter and fly him back home. You know, that traffic's going to be awful going back. <laughs> so get that helicopter that was watching him practice. Take him home now. He deserves it. <laughs> uh, for me, yeah, I would say my confidence is rebounding. I still think if the game's on the line, he's out there to kick, I'm going to be biting my nails uh, like no other. If it's a longer kick, um, in any course of the game, I'm going to be a little bit nervous as well. But, Will, you bring up a lot of good points, and we all know that the kicking game is very mental, and it's about how confident you are going out there and making sure you can keep your head clear. And he did, he proved that today. He proved he can overcome resiliency, which is something that we always talk about a lot of different players despite of position. So even though kicker is such a hot-button topic right now, um, we shouldn't give him any other treatment uh, despite the fact. So for me, yeah, rebounding. I want to say like I have full faith in him. Um, but still, uh, it's it's much better than it was last week. I told you guys this morning that I had a dream last night that his very first kick tonight hit the field, uh, hit the upright again, and I woke up. I was like, "Gosh, can't escape it even in my dreams." But I was glad. Was that like his? Was it his second kick or his first kick that looked like it was treading towards the upright? I was like, "No." Uh huh. <laughs> And real quick, too, on Twitter, I did ask Bears fans, like I mentioned, in the poll, we had about 1,000 results or votes, and uh, 71% say they do have faith in Parkey after today. 6% said no, and then the remaining 23% say they're still unsure exactly where they sit with our kicker. All right, guys, real quickly, let's break out the red pens and grade this game as a whole. And, Brandon, right back to you. Uh, this one's going to be a B plus. Uh, the offense just continues to struggle in the second half. Uh, they just got to be able to close out games, and that's going to come with more experience and more uh, play-calling experience from Nagy and a, a quarterback that continues to grow. He's got to be able to know when he can and can't throw certain passes, like throwing to Taylor Gabriel or in the game in triple coverage. Uh, so things of that nature, it's it's all going to come with time. But uh, defense just absolutely dominated. Cody Parkey came out. He dominated for the three kicks that he had. Uh, so just a very good, uh, solid performance on everything except for the second-half offense, B-plus. All right. What about you, Nick? Man, this is a tough one because, look, this was the Minnesota Vikings who were coming to try to claim the NFC North title, a team that went to the NFC Championship last year, and this the Bears have been bad against divisional opponents. But they won 25-20, to 20, and a lot of things didn't go right for them. So I'm leaning towards that B-plus, but almost that A-minus range because they still won this game and had a dominant defense go out there. The offense did enough. Cody Parkey got better. So there are a lot of aspects that improved, but there's still improvement that needs to be made in other facets of the, of the game. So I'm going to, I guess I'll stick with the B plus, but you know, this is a great win for the bears because this is not something that we've seen in the past. Who knows how many years now, but great win. So I'll give it a B plus Nick. What do I have to do to bring you onto this a minus train? Cause I'm on it. What do I got to do? I could just, I could just change it to an A minus. Easy, <laughs> done. That's all I had to do. You didn't want to that be an outsider. That's all it was. And I want to go on with you because, like you said, uh, the Bears haven't won back to back divisional games in six years, and they did it in back to back weeks. And and on top of that, prime time and all the stakes on the line too for the division lead. Uh, like you said, the Minnesota Vikings, former team that was in the NFC Championship a year ago, a team that's had hard number practically the entire series since these two, two, two teams have ever met. I think the last time the Bears actually had the edge in this overall series is like 1974, if I'm not mistaken. I, I was looking at it earlier today. It's not a stat I know off the top of my head. I just want to let you know that, but I have more important things to keep up there. But uh, for me, looking at this game, the first half offense was moving the ball, and Cody Parkey um, in the third phase rebounded. Second half offense, it's been an issue all year, something new. It doesn't. I'm almost getting numb to it, which is a little bit of a problem to have. 
But it's again, we've seen it. We know that for some reason the Bears offense, if they go into halftime with the lead, uh, they end up losing a little bit of that, you know, mojo they had in the first half. And they need to find a way to keep that for all four quarters. It's I sound like a broken record saying it, so I'm just gonna move on to that defense, which played phenomenally. They played lights out, they played aggressively, they set the tone early. And of course the fourth phase was out there today in full force. And I haven't seen the Bears atmosphere at Soldier Field like that since probably the NFC Championship game. So for me, it's all that coming together, all the stakes on the line, 25-20, to 20, Bears win, 7-3 and three on the year. But a game like today um, where Nagy is going up against the Vikings as a rookie head coach as well, uh, you have to give it at least an A-, minus, even if the end result or the overall performance by the offense wasn't perfect. Um, we're not looking for perfect. We're looking for wins, and we got it today. What about you, Will? Choo-choo, A-minus train coming into town. I'm right there with you. You covered a lot of exactly what I wanted to say, the significance of this game. They battled adversity within this game. We mentioned a lot about what that Eddie Jackson interception return for a touchdown meant for the game. This is a team that had adversity strike, and they rebounded, and they responded to it time and time again. Of course, there are things to clean up, but we'll hit on a lot of this already, so I'm going to spare you from hearing it again. Great job uh, by the Bears winning a very important game. Everything was on the line tonight under the primetime lights, and they showed up. So hats off to them, A-. minus. Brandon, what do we got to do to get you on this A- minus train? Uh, quite a bit. I got to see a little bit more out of the offense in the second half. I'm I'm not going to quite go numb to that offense just yet. Choo-choo. <laughs> All right. Hey, I would more than happily join the A- minus train, but I got to see a little bit more. All right. Well, that's fair. So just for that, you're starting our two-minute warning, so go right ahead. Okay. Yeah, uh, I absolutely think I deserve it. I mean, there was just the offense just in general. I thought it was very well schemed up by Matt Nagy tonight. It's just a lot of the pre-motion snap or pre-mo. Yeah, snap before motion before the snap. I wish I could spit that one out a little bit better. Uh, really helped establish the run game. It helped offensive line out a ton because then the linebackers couldn't shoot through gaps up the middle. They had to go play uh, runs to the outside. Uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, his fumble in this one, I think, was kind of overlooked in this postgame show, understandably sh- understandably so uh, with the win. So those are things that are going to get overlooked. But that's his second fumble this year, so he, he's got to have going to have to start figuring something out as uh, to try and avoid these late-game fumbles because that kind of felt the momentum really start to swing there, and I was getting kind of nervous at that point in the game. Uh, but really just a very good job by, by the offense in the first half of staying aggressive, uh, they're going to be able to figure out how to adjust in-game uh, to come out of halftime, come out firing again. Once they get that figured out, I will happily join this A-minus train. Uh, but the defense as a whole, I mean, just freaking lights out. It's amazing to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. When the front seven is able to go after the quarterback like they did today, uh, it makes the secondary's job easier. That's why we see two interceptions by the safeties. Cal Fuller played a very good game. Like Nick said, he got beat by the one double move. Uh, and then after that, he was on top of it for the rest of the game. Uh, Bryce Callahan, again, was a guy that we didn't hear of because he was able to shut down all the slot guys today, which is very, very important, especially with this Minnesota offense. And just 22 rushing yards by the Minnesota offense is an amazing number to be held to. Uh, so really got to tip your cap to the Akeem Hicks, the rest of the guys up front, because they did a very astounding job of setting a tone, winning the point of attack, and really getting after it today. So very, very well uh, job done. And now it's time to kind of forget about it, and we move on to Thanksgiving here in a few days. Yeah, really quick week. And a uh, fun fact, too, I like this quote from Khalil Mack on Vic Fangio. He called him a quote-unquote evil genius. So that's Vic Fangio <laughs> for you from that Khalil Mack. I love it. Uh, let's go to Will. Uh, Two-minute warning. Uh, Fangio fire is probably within his evil lair, then, if I had to imagine. 
<laughs> a nice little cylinder over there. But yeah, I think Brandon covered a lot of this. Just a very dominant defensive performance. It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there, this had a little bit of everything, a little bit of the free-flowing offense, especially in the first half. But that hardcore, hard-hitting, aggressive Chicago Bears defense that we've all come to know and love, that's a lot of reasons why I think a lot of us are drawn to this team. It's an identity that we find with it. And it was fun to see that uh, on the primetime lights and for it to be successful and win once again. Great time to be a Chicago Bears fan. Enjoy every minute of it. And I can't wait to do so in a few days uh, for Thanksgiving. So short two minute warning for me, but hey, it's a great time to be a Bears fan. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your two minute warning this week? Look, the Bears are seven and three atop of the NFC North and have a chance to extend that lead on Thanksgiving. Like Will just said, it is a exciting time to be a Bears fan because when was the last time this happened? Uh, obviously, we all know 2010 was the last time the Bears made the playoffs, but the Bears, will they're going to be there. And they're playing some really good football. And, yeah, it wasn't perfect. It definitely wasn't perfect tonight. But they still got the win over a good Minnesota Vikings team, 25-20. to 20, And they're going to play a Detroit Lions team that is coming off a win against Carolina. But, look, the Bears just beat them, and it looked convincingly. It's, it's going to be a different matchup on, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day. But, man, you got to be excited what the Bears are doing, especially in the first year of the Matt Nagy era. This is a very, very exciting team, and, you know, it only goes up from here. So let's just enjoy it because this is a fun time right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, um, we we all need to be enjoying this, even though right now, uh, especially doing the podcast and running the blog, it's sometimes you get bogged down in the nitty-gritty of the daily. But then when you take a step back and you look at where we are, it's phenomenal. And a lot of us thought this Bears team was a seven to nine win team this year. Well, we're already at seven. So expectations. Uh, now it's time so to raise them a little right? bit. So it's exciting uh, to be a fan. And of course, it's uh, enticing to see exactly what the next steps are going to be. Because like I said, uh, or last week, this team's still in the infancy stage. There's so much more growth. Like we're still like crawling and getting like walking a little bit. We haven't even learned how to run yet. That's why you're seeing some of these uh, issues in the second half of the game. So wait till the Bears learn how to run. That's what I'm looking forward to down the road, and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Um, but no, sitting here on top of the North, beat the Vikings. Uh, so so far we beat the Vikings, we beat the Lions, we lost to the Packers by a point. Um, so now we've seen all three of our divisional teams under Matt Nagy. He now has uh, seen all these teams. And as a guy who I know pays attention to details and, uh, it's going, always self-scouting. I'm very excited to see what we can do in the next three. And it starts this Thursday against Detroit. Let's continue to take care of business against them because uh, they proved to be – they're a weird team. I mean, they went out there and they beat the Panthers today at home. Well, we're going to Detroit. It's going to be loud. It's going to be Thanksgiving. Let's find a way to overcome that. You know, And on top of that, we have a short week ourselves and a shorter week than the Lions do because we played tonight. Uh, so find a way to overcome all that adversity. You win another one, move on to 8-3. and three. There's no question that you're going to be the favorites to win the NFC North because right now we are, but a win next week takes it over the top. And even if, say, there is a letdown a little bit next week on a short week, don't let that deter you from the growth that you've seen from this team and make you think that the sky is falling because it's not. Uh, we're reaching in the sky. We're at, you know, we're going towards the stars. It's a lot of fun to see. I'm very excited to see the next steps that the Bears are going to be taking because, uh, like I said on the top of the show, usually at this point we're kind of like waiting for the offseason and wondering how do we get better. Well, I think we need to look more internally and find out how to get better on offense in the second half of games. And once we get there, Anything's possible. Anything is possible. A lot of fun to see. And on top of that, real quick, both sides of the ball, uh, what I've noticed, 
no matter what you do, you try to take out one person, there's always someone else to step up. And I think the next man up mentality um, is something that we need to pay attention to as we get down to the final stretch. So Bears win 25-20, moving on to 7-3 and now on the year. Exciting times to be a Bears fan. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. It's getting almost to 1 o'clock in the morning here my time, and i got to get up for work in the morning, so we're going to start signing off here. But real quickly, if you haven't yet, and I'm encouraging you to do so because we're in a short week, and you want your voice heard on our podcast, give us a call at 872-240-4007 because we hope to record this on Monday evening. So if you're listening to this either here on Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, even if this is Monday evening by the time you got around to this, Please give us a call. Give us your question. We would love to answer it in the mailbag to pump that out for Tuesday morning. Uh, and on top of that, Tuesday, we're going to do our official game preview podcast as well for this week 13 matchup against the wait, 13 or would it be 12? What week is it, guys? It's going by so fast. Does it matter? 12. 12. I think it's 12. We'll go with that. Regardless, it's Thanksgiving game. How about that? It's the Thanksgiving matchup against the Lions here on Thursday afternoon. So, again, call 872-240-4007. But on top of that, enjoy your fourth straight victory Monday. The Bears have won four straight. I don't think we mentioned that yet. That's pretty incredible. So until the next time you hear from us, enjoy that victory Monday. And, of course, Bear Down Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.